Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody. It's your view from the cheap seats into the yacht sailing, beluga caviar eating world of Formula One racing. I'm your host, Nolan Sykes, joined by my two co-hosts, auto journalists who literally co-wrote a book on F1. We have Elizabeth Blackstock. Hello, hello. And Alanis King. Hello. Thank you so much for mentioning our book, Nolan. Yes. I forgot that you guys didn't plug it last week. We did not. Yeah. So go ahead and plug the book. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So our book is about the rich energy Haas Formula One team, which if you watched Formula One in 2019, or even if you didn't, you might have heard about this weird sponsor no one had ever heard of ever. And they had about 700 bucks in the bank. And they somehow inked a $20 million Formula One sponsorship deal. That's unreal. It went, yeah, it went about as you expect. And we are going to detail it all in this book that is going to release in a couple of months. I love it. You guys have been working on that for a long time. And I'm really looking forward to it. I still need to pre-order my Which copy. Which you can do by going to richenergybook.com. It'll take you to a link to McFarland, which is our publisher. Currently, this is only for the United States. So if you are an international human being, hold on a second. We got you coming. So this week, it's the Hungarian Grand Prix. That's right. Wow, that was certainly a thing, wasn't it? <laughs> that 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 was a race, if I've ever seen a race. It was actually less of a race and more of a who cannot implode on themselves. And the answer is not Ferrari, once again. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with this this week's episode like there's so much happening both in the news and on track at the race this week on on sunday i'm so pissed at ferrari not because i'm a ferrari fan (laughs) i'm not even surprised really but they are making my job harder because last episode we talked about the french grand prix where ferrari fell apart how am i supposed to differentiate this episode from last week's episode that's the thing that's the thing it's like you have people screaming from the rafters about how you're a ferrari hater and it's like (laughs) what am i supposed to do like last week the episode was about ferrari obviously because ferrari just screwed everything up and then we get to the race this week and ferrari screws everything up again same story Different different uh, methods of screwing it up, but uh, still the same outcome. And as I as I finished the race yesterday, I was like, man, tomorrow the recording's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a challenge. We got to make oh, Ferrari, please do something else so we can talk about something. This is only the second episode of the show. Sure, we came into the season a little late, okay, and that's you know that's not on them. That's on us. <laughs> We're going to try to vary it a little bit this week compared to, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going crazy. It's all Mattia Bonotto's fault. How about we have like a jar of dollar bills and every time we say Ferrari, we have to put a dollar no. in the jar. No. We can do that. I don't have that much money. Who has that much cash? The challenge is find something else to talk about. <laughs> yes. But before we before we talk about the race itself, let's let's talk about some off track news. We got a lot of driver gossip going on this weekend. Sebastian Vettel, the four time world champion, one of the paddock favorites, is retiring. He is finally doing it, and Fernando Alonso of all people is taking his place. One old guy to the other. We're passing the baton. It seems fitting. Yes. Alonso is heading to Aston Martin after Sebastian Vettel's retirement. Which is interesting. It's interesting. I still haven't digested that. I woke up this morning and, I, you know, the first thing I do because social media has brainwashed me and conditioned my brain Absolutely. into 
a certain a pathway every morning. I, I open Twitter and mm-hmm. I see a bunch of Fernando Alonso memes, and I could I was like, okay, I definitely I missed something. He did not have that spectacular of a race for him to garner this much meme coverage. So then I saw the news and I was surprised, but also it feels right to me. It makes sense. Yeah. He's going to look great in that green suit. He really is. <sighs> so I think one big pivotal moment of Sebastian Vettel's later career was when he left Ferrari. And now, of course, he's been racing for Aston Martin for a couple of years. And Aston Martin is not a team that goes and wins races. And they've actually gotten a little worse this year. They haven't been very good this year. But Sebastian has been stealing the spotlight in just talking about human rights issues and climate issues and stuff like that. And he's been a very welcome voice in talking about these things very loudly on the grid, him and Lewis Hamilton. And it's very sad for me to lose about 50% of our human rights campaign on the grid after this season. Maybe Sebastian has the carte blanche and the clout to be Mm -hmm. able to talk about these things later in his career because, you know, some of these younger drivers might be afraid of alienating people, which is, I mean, it's not even a position they should be in in the first place. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who is going to pick up the slack with him off the grid. I read something very interesting. This was a tweet from auto journalist Greg Cable. Um, on July 15th, Aston Martin actually did a deal with some sort of Saudi investment with Aramco. It was a 200 million pound deal. And about two weeks later, Vettel announced his retirement, which was a very, it was really, I don't know if there's, there's a connection here, but it was really interesting timing to have a driver who's very, um, open about human rights issues and who is, he's been talking a lot about how he he feels complex emotions about racing during an era of climate change. So I don't know if that was a necessarily a contributing factor, but it was definitely interesting to see the timing on that one. Yeah. That is interesting. The timing is interesting. And, you know, as sad as I am about seeing Sebastian Vettel retire, I'm very happy that he's doing what he wants to do. And I do think Mick Schumacher, who kind of views Sebastian Vettel as a mentor, I think oh. Mick Schumacher, even though he's young, he does have that that clout that comes with his father being a Absolutely. seven-time champion. And Absolutely. Mick Schumacher has been in his own little corner with the Haas team really kind of vocal about human rights as well. Like he wears pride shirts and things like that to the racetrack. And it's nice to see someone younger doing that. Yeah. I can totally see Mick uh, taking up that mantle. That's our guy, Mick. That's yeah. That's a, Let's that's go a good Mick. point. Alanis, Let's go sure. Mick. That's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I can't remember when it was, but it was about a week ago. I got really excited because everybody on the internet is like, Sebastian Vettel joined the internet because Sebastian Vettel's longtime thing is that Sebastian Vettel is not on social media. And I'm like, where, where is this man on Twitter? And he's not on Twitter. And so I go check Instagram and he's on Instagram. And I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. And then like 12 hours later, I wake up and his first post is peace out. I'm retiring from Formula One. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like not even just that. It was like a black and white, just him on a stool and it was, it was a long, so long post for an Instagram reel. I'm sure you got some good revenue off that <laughs> long watch time. That's some good uh, CPM right there. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg th- probably threw him like a hundred bucks at least. hundred so, bucks, man. That's, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. So, yeah, very dramatic. Uh, 
exit, but also Fernando, I think, is going to do, you know, he's going to do his thing over there. I think having a guy like Fernando at Aston Martin, not that Sebastian Vettel couldn't bring, didn't bring experience, because of course he did. Uh, but I, Fernando, I think, brings a certain kind of rage, <laughs> burbling rage that this team needs, you know? Fernando likes to keep, he's pretty calm under composure, but you can just see just the seething heat under under his eyes, you know, behind that visor. You just know he's he's pissed and he's bringing it. One of my favorite things about Fernando is that one time I wrote a story for Jalopnik because I used to write a lot of car blogs for Jalopnik. And I made a joke about Fernando Alonso Instagramming kittens, okay? And before this, this man had never, he posted his cat once on Instagram, an adult cat. He had never Instagrammed a pile of kittens, okay? I make this joke in this Jalopnik story, and about 40 minutes later, there is a post on Fernando Alonso's Instagram of him holding a bunch of kittens in both arms, <laughs> and I have never seen those kittens since. <laughs> I think he was messing with me. I think he's playing mind games Specifically with, with you. Well, Specifically. I think that's what we call a parasocial relationship in the this new social media age. Would you say that this was a mind freak? This was a mind freak. <laughs> Chris Angel mind freak. <laughs> Nolan's like, what? Nolan missed, Nolan missed the part where I made a bet with a NASCAR driver to say mind freak on a broadcast one time. And he did. And it was beautiful. Mind freak. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Any other uh, any other driver gossip we got going on? Oh, we've got lots. We actually have quite a bit. Um, Daniel Ricardo of McLaren. We've had plenty of rumors that he's staying with the team or leaving the team. He claims currently that he is sticking with McLaren. He actually has a contract that will last through the 2023 season, but a lot of people are thinking he might get bought out of that or have that somehow canceled due to performance. Um, Formula One is notorious for having contracts that just no one has any access to, so you have literally no idea what's going on. Um, there are a lot of IndyCar drivers that are like vying for this single seat in the McLaren Formula One team, which is very funny. It's, it's a lot. Is it possible that McLaren sends Danny to IndyCar? And brings up one of their IndyCar drivers to Formula One. No, absolutely not. No, you think so? Daniel Ricciardo has explicitly stated many times he won't race an oval. And I actually, I wrote about this in detail. I parsed out every possible career move that Daniel Ricciardo could make. And this man would make like $30 in IndyCar. I just don't see him going there. Hmm. Okay. Well, we've got another driver hoping to stick around. Yeah, Alex Albon is hoping that he will stay on the Formula One grid. Uh, Alex Albon has had a pretty difficult time doing that. Uh, he was part of the Red Bull Junior program, which is notorious for signing drivers, bringing them to Formula One, and then just kind of deciding, actually, never mind, we're going to pick someone else now. Uh, so Albon had a year off. He was not on the grid. He has now been signed by Williams. And he's hoping that he will stay on for next year, but he claims that he is focused on this year, which is Formula One driver talk for, please, God, let me get some results so that I yeah. I have some clout here that people will actually want to invest in. I, I mean, I hope that Williams keeps him and maybe brings up another driver, gets Latifi, says, thanks for your cash, dude, <laughs> but uh, 
Sorry. That is a, that is currently a rumor at the moment that Latifi will be out soon as well. Uh, with rumors that he'd be replaced by Oscar Piastri or Logan Sargent, who are two of the junior Formula drivers in Formula 2. Uh, Logan Sargent actually would probably have the money to replace Latifi, considering that his grandfather is a billionaire uh, oh. and has previously used his money to influence the Trump-Ukraine situation. Oh. Uh, where... Trump was attempting to create some damaging narratives about the 2020 election. Yes. And Sargent's grandfather has also donated a lot of money to Rudy Giuliani, Mitt Romney, and John McCain's oh. presidential campaigns. So he's got the money. He's got the money. He could easily replace Harry Sargent. Yeah, Harry Sargent II. I mean, that story just there just proves that this sport is really just a playground for the rich. You know, hey, my... Grandpa's a billionaire who also meddles in world politics. Yep. No big deal. Uh, and I like to drive cars. Who's, who's let's, among let's us has granddad. not meddled in world politics before? I mean, come <laughs> on. Our final gossip of the week has to do with Daniel Kvyat, who was a former Formula One driver who was also part of the Red Bull Junior program. Uh, he made his NASCAR Cup Series debut this weekend. Was it Cup Series? It was in the Cup Series, yes, at the Indianapolis Road Course. But before we talk about NASCAR, which honestly looked like Mario Kart this weekend, it was so classic NASCAR. Everybody forgot how to drive on a road course. They were just hitting everything. It was fantastic. But I think we need to get into the Danny Kvyat lore. And Elizabeth knows so much about the Danny Kvyat lore. So Danny Kvyat, back in the day when he was a former Formula One driver, when he was in Red Bull, started dating a woman named Kelly PK, who is... I believe the daughter of Nelson Piquet, who was a Formula One world champion. They have a child together. It was that child's third birthday this weekend. Uh, oh. Daniel Kvyat was not there because he was racing NASCAR. But you know who was there? Current Formula uh. One driver Max Verstappen, who is now dating Kelly Piquet. So Max Verstappen not only took Daniel Kvyat's girlfriend, his, his child... But also his Formula One seat. It's the trifecta. Like that is, <laughs> I I I feel so bad for for Daniel Kvyat. That's he's like in, bigger yeah. and better things. He's a Cup Series driver now. Like he's a NASCAR driver. He was competing in real life Mario Kart at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just like the the motor racing venue of the world. And just, like, everybody's sending it off into the grass. That's what my guy is doing now. When they've got a get-together going on, right? They've got perhaps a PK family get-together. Kelly wants to bring her boyfriend, Max, but also wants to bring the father of her child, Daniel. And they all take photos at these events together, right? Except when Max posts photos, it doesn't have Daniel Kvyat in them. And when Daniel Kvyat posts photos, it does not have Max Verstappen in them. There's like, you can tell they're at the same spot. You can tell they're hanging out with the same people. It's the same event, but the other guy is not in the picture. Like, it is the funniest thing I've ever Elizabeth seen. Elizabeth scrolling on Instagram, yeah. looking at the photo. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. I know that veranda. <laughs> That's the same arch of vines over there. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, God, I do not envy Daniel Kvyat. Um... That's a tough situation to be in. 
And, but I hope he uh, gets more NASCAR rides in the future. <laughs> Listen, I mean, he had a tough time out there. So he was running in like, I don't know, probably high 20s, low 30s, which is fine if you've never driven a race before and you're in the Cup Series. Because the thing about NASCAR drivers is that like seven years ago, they had no idea how to drive on road courses. So you could just go out there and kick all their asses. Now... NASCAR drivers have learned how to race on road courses. So it's actually kind of hard, even if you're very good at road courses, to compete. They all play iRacing now. All the ones that are under 35, like, play iRacing all the time. Top 20s, low 30s is fine for your cup debut if you've never been in a cup car before. The problem is, is he's been in an F1 car before, you know, so there's higher expectations on it. But you could tell, like, you could just see the, like, European racer politeness because he pulls off the track. Because his car messed up and his car stopped working. I don't know what happened, but his car would not go. In NASCAR, if you pull off the racetrack, nice guys finish last. They will just leave you out there. And so they left this poor man just sitting out there in the heat for like six laps. And I think something was wrong with the cooling unit in his car. So he's just sitting out there cooking because he was polite. In NASCAR, you have to misbehave, and he didn't, so he just sat on the side of the track and cooked for, like, six laps. Well, you win some, you lose some. You sure do. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) So, in terms of just, like, general F1 news, not driver gossip, in terms of general news, Porsche is set to buy a 50% stake in Red Bull. This is all like moving very, very quickly, but Christian Horner, the team principal of the Red Bull Formula One team, says they're full they're far off on a deal. But, you know, I mean Porsche in Formula One is kind of interesting. The other thing that happened over the weekend was Formula One put out this drive it out campaign to kind of approach and tackle abuse. And this came on the heels of the Austrian Grand Prix where reports of just like rampant harassment, just sexism, Mm -hmm. racism, all kinds of stuff, homophobia just went wild online. People were like talking about all these horrible things they experienced. And so this- At the race. At At the the race, race, At the Austrian Grand Prix, yeah. And Formula One, a couple weeks later, releases this Drive It Out campaign. And basically the campaign is just a video of everyone saying like, We will not allow you to abuse people and say mean things online or in person. And I found this campaign really interesting as someone who actually reported in depth on what happened at the Austrian Grand Prix. I actually talked to a lot of women who were at the races and asked what happened, basically. And I got their reports that they had already sent to the track, like their actual complaints of what was happening to track representatives. And I mean... These women were showing me what they sent and they sent the track and they said this one woman wouldn't let someone sit by her because she didn't want to sit next to a Chinese person. These people were yelling slurs at a young black boy. Mm -hmm. People were making really, really horrible comments to young teenage girls, like men who could be their fathers. And then, you know, people were shaking our camper in the campgrounds, yelling at us to come out. People were, it was so bad listening to all these women talk and you know i talked to a woman a dutch woman on zoom about this and it was just so sad to talk to her like you could hear that she was like almost crying and i was almost crying because it's like you pay all this money to go to a formula one race and experience something that you love and that happens 
And Mm -hmm. Formula One, as far as I could tell, I reached out to the track and I said, hey, um, what procedures did you have in place for people to report stuff? What procedures did you put in place after all these reports went viral? Also, a lot of the complaints I got were saying like, it was Dutchmen doing a lot of this stuff and the security struggled to contain it because they couldn't actually understand Dutch because they were in Austria. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, do you make it a point to hire Dutch speaking security? The track mm-hmm. never responded. And so yeah. it's really it's really unfortunate when you see these like campaigns like we will not we will not accept abuse and we're going to do better. But when I reach out to the racetrack on deadline for a story about what the racetrack tried to do better after these reports went viral, I didn't hear from the racetrack. And that's that juxtaposition is sad to me. You know, like you mentioned that it was like Dutch fans. So like, oh, it's exclusively Ma- like Max Verstappen fans, right? Like a lot of people were doing this sort of that. thing. That's a the, lot of people were a lot of people that. saying that. Yeah, I think it's also I just think like because the sport has gotten so popular now, you're just going to get a lot of shitheads at these events going forward. I don't think it matters like where it's going to be at. Like even just weekend in Hungary, uh, some fans of mostly Red Bull fans and Max fans buying Mercedes merchandise and then burning it. Wait, what? I yeah. missed that. You didn't hear about yeah. this? Yeah. 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 So that was a story this weekend. Um, Max had, Max made a statement on it saying he did not, uh, obviously he was like horrified by it. He said, um, but we just have shitheads all over the world that are going to show up to these races and do shithead things. This isn't anything new either. Um, because I talked about my experience. I went to the Austrian Grand Prix in 2015 and there were not many Vax Verstappen fans because that was his first year in Formula One, but there were still a lot of men, especially who Mm -hmm. were, they were just bad. They were just rude. Um, mm. I went with a group of people who identified as women, and no one felt safe going to the bathroom alone. So mm. it, it's just one of those things of, like, this is a, a longstanding problem that has only gotten worse. Um, and a lot of people are emboldened by the fact that nothing has happened or, you know, there hasn't been any punishment or any procedures. So mm. Formula One coming out with this campaign, kind of a good thing. Also, they hesitated to explicitly name any of the problems that were going on. They just kind of had that general catch-all term abuse, um, <sighs> which is the f- it's frustrating because it's like you're not saying that this is racist, sexist, homophobic. Yes, this you're just yes. saying you know it, it's just it's very vague. It's too vague to do anything about. Um, yes, that's yeah. always been my problem with Formula One messaging mm-hmm. is it's just way too vague. Yeah. It steps around it like you're not going to solve any problems by being. If you can't say the words that you are trying yes. to combat. You are not doing anything. I think the really sad part is that, like, while Formula One does not control what the Red Bull Ring, which is where the Austrian Grand Prix is held, while Formula One isn't like overseeing their communications department, the people I emailed about this story, you should be communicating this far and wide. Like, look. This is what we need to do to fix this. You need to be diligent. You need to be putting procedures in place. You need to be doing all this stuff. And Red Bull Ring should have responded and said, sure, maybe we didn't do this this year, but we're going to do this next year. Like, this is what we tried to do over the weekend. Here's our comments on this. You need to be active in addressing this stuff, not ignore it. And it's just very disappointing for me to see this, like, 
on the surface campaign, but I can't even get a response for a story about all these horrible things these people experienced. Yeah. We love you, Formula One. Isn't it a great sport? <laughs> Isn't it fun to watch? <laughs> we love Formula One, but also Formula I... One. Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor all, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, anyway, to move past Formula One's rampant human rights issues, let's <laughs> let's move into aerodynamics. We had uh, quite a few upgrades this weekend with cars. Uh, Haas has now been dubbed the White Ferrari, which is not the Frank Ocean song. It is basically oh. just the fact that because Haas already has Ferrari engines and Ferrari gearboxes, they have decided to copy the aerodynamic side pods and underbody to create better downforce, which will make the car faster. Didn't really seem to work, but also they only upgraded Kevin Magnuson's car, and Kevin Magnuson got hit. So we can't really tell oh. how well it have, how oh, well it was going to okay. do. So it's fine. We also had a new wing. Um, the Aston Martin. It brings up one of my favorite concepts in Formula One, which is defying the spirit of the rules. So no one said you can't do this, but also we didn't say you could, so we don't like it. Basically, Aston Martin has gone away from the rear wing that they have currently implemented for 2022 that is supposed to create more passing because it is reducing the dirty air that comes off the back of the car. Aston Martin decided that they're going to do something that's basically the 2021 spec wing and make it more difficult to pass them because it will create a lot more dirty air, but also Aston Martin will be gaining more downforce from this. Couldn't really tell if it worked out or not. They finished 10th and 11th Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel, which they did last weekend too uh, at the French Grand Prix. I would not want to be compared to Ferrari at this point in my life. <laughs> yes. Well, there was actually a, a funny quote that came from Gunther Steiner. They asked Steiner why he had decided to copy the Ferrari, uh, why Haas was going that route. And he said, why would we want to copy a Williams? Not to be disrespectful. 
<laughs> and I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. Why would you want to copy Dang. Williams? <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Not to be disrespectful, but I'm about to be really disrespectful. Yeah, that guy who always puts no offense in front of everything <laughs> and thinks it's like a free pass. No offense, dude, but like your fit sucks okay. today. Dude. Okay, but men on the internet do this to me all the time. They're like, no offense, but you're the dumbest woman I have ever, like, I have <laughs> no ever offense. encountered. No offense, though. No offense. So you can't get mad at me because I said no offense. With all due respect. Why are you, yeah. With, with all due respect. With all due respect. <laughs> with all due respect, dude. No offense. Your mom's cooking sucks, dude. All No offense. Yes. Uh, so we have talked about a lot of things so far, but we are actually here to talk about a little thing called the Hungarian Grand Prix. I just hit my face on my microphone, emphasizing my that. words. Did you hear that? I did. Wow. wow. We could leave that in there or I could start over. Let's just keep going. Wow. I love it. <laughs> keep the little microphone hit in there. That was my chin. So before we talk about the race itself, we're going to give you some context about the track where it's held, the Hungaro Ring. It's a circuit outside of Budapest that's been around since 1986. The lack of straights uh, get the Hungaro Ring compared to a karting circuit quite a bit, since it's pretty much a series of corners set in a natural bowl, which is pretty rad. A lot of elevation change here that you would not expect. Because there's few straights, each car's chassis is more important than horsepower. Being able to get around those turns is more important than straight line speed. The Hungarian Grand Prix is all about the rhythm of the race, and historically, it's one of the hardest circuits to pass on, although we did see a lot of passing this weekend. It was wonderful. Elizabeth, tell us about last year's Hungarian GP. Last year's Hungarian Grand Prix was actually a lot of fun. Uh, 2021 was a classic wet race, by which I mean that it was absolutely wild, and we had everything from a red flag to a first-time winner. It was so fun. It was, it was, it was a good one. Uh, Esteban Ocon won with Alpine. Uh, which was the first time since 2013 that the team had won. I believe previously the team was known as Renault. It's gone through some changes, uh, but it was it was nice to see Ocon up on the on the podium. That was largely because there was a first lap crash that took out multiple drivers, including Valtteri Bottas, Lando Norris, Sergio Perez, Lance Stroll, and Charles Leclerc. Uh, and then Nikita Mazepin also got hit. Uh, that was. <laughs> What's but that the, didn't matter too much. <laughs> yeah, that didn't change. <laughs> that didn't change the fact that Ocon got on podium. It's fine. It was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we even had a post-race disqualification when Aston Martin Sebastian Vettel finished second, and they took that away from him. Yeah, that was a, such a good race. Uh, so really had my expectations pretty high this weekend for kind of another uh, thriller in Budapest. Uh, unfortunately, that. It's not exactly what we got. We got a pretty good race, I would say, this week. And I think it was better than than France. But, man, I mean, last year's race really set a super high watermark. Going into this race, the stakes were high, especially for Ferrari's Charles Leclerc, who DNF'd in Hungary last year. So once a frontrunner for the Drivers' Championship, Leclerc was only seven points ahead of third-place challenger Red Bull Sergio Perez going into this week. Oof. Oh, ah, and that's just... It, it's such a testament to, it's such a testament to how good your drivers and car can be, but if you just fail half of the weekends, everyone will catch you in the championship standings. Yes, so uh, before the race, Max Verstappen had a commanding lead with 233 World Drivers' Championships points to Charles Leclerc's 170, 
Uh, so a pretty big gap. But I do remember saying last week that it was still anyone's game as far as the championship goes. But after this weekend, I'm not so sure anymore. Well, and I think <laughs> I think these numbers need some meaning behind them. And because we want to make F1 more accessible on the Donut Racing Show, for clarity, here is how points work. So in 2022, points are awarded to the top 10 finishers. You have 20 drivers in the field, but you only get points if you finish in the top 10. You get 25 points for winning, 18 for second, 15 for third, then 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, and 1, respectively. If a driver in the top 10 scores the fastest lap, they get an additional point. And then the Constructors' Championship is decided by the cumulative points scored by a team's two drivers. So to maximize points, you want both of your drivers to finish in the top 10 and ideally high up in the top 10 and then go for that fastest lap point. So you'll see people play strategy with fastest lap. If one driver is like not doing super well, but they have a gap behind them, they'll pit for softer tires so they can go really, really fast at the end of the race and get that fastest lap point. But if you're outside of the top 10, it doesn't matter. Speaking of constructors, the stakes were high for Leclerc's team Ferrari, who were trailing 82 points behind Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship going into Hungary. But Ferrari was only 44 points ahead of Mercedes in third place. I think this is just, it's, again, such a testament to this season. Red Bull has been really good. They've had a couple of issues. They've had a couple of reliability issues. Ferrari has been really fast, but had many more reliability issues. And Mercedes has kind of just been like, like riding a bicycle back there. Like it's not going Mm -hmm. super fast, but it's also not breaking. And so they're sticking around somehow, even if they're not, the car is not that great. Yeah, consistency has been the name of the game for Mercedes. Yeah, and when you think about the top three, you also have to think about the best of the rest, which now means that, you know, going into this race weekend, there was a huge gap between Mercedes in third and Alpine in fourth. Uh, it was 177 points. Uh, but Alpine, oh, wow. yeah, it was a, it's big. There's obviously a hierarchy here. Uh, but Alpine was still, you know, doing battle with McLaren for the that best of the rest title. McLaren was only four points behind Alpine going into the weekend, which meant that this could get pretty spicy. And again, when you are, you know, where you finish in the Constructors' Championship determines how much prize money you get at the end of the season. So you want to be as high up as possible in those finishing orders, even if you're not going to be third place like Mercedes. Fourth place is still a lot more money than fifth. It's probably a, a huge boost to morale, too. You want to be able to knock on the door of the big three, you know? Like, if you finish out the season in fourth place... I feel mentally your team's going to be in much better uh, position than fifth place. Just with that, even if you're you know off the podium, as it were, like it still gives you that glimmer of hope that you can maybe start to take on the biggest teams. And speaking of glimmers of hope, what a qualifying session for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Like I was not expecting this at all. So George Russell is on pole. It's his it's Mercedes's first pole this season, which is so wild coming off of a season where they challenged so hard for the title. First Mercedes pole this season, and it's the first time this season that the pole winner was not a Red Bull car and not a Ferrari, which is ridiculous. So 
In second and third, we have the Ferrari duo who cannot wait to implode once the race starts. We have Carlos Sainz in second, Charles Leclerc in third. And then <laughs> the Red Bull team certainly had a qualifying session. Like they certainly went out there and did some laps, but it did not go very well. Max Verstappen lost power in Q3 and qualified 10th. And Sergio Perez didn't even make it to Q3. So in Formula One qualifying, you start with all 20 cars. Five get eliminated mm-hmm. to go into Q2 and you have yep. 15. Five more get eliminated to go into Q3 and you have the top 10. Sergio Perez didn't even make it into Q3, which is the top 10. He blamed Haas driver Kevin Magnussen for holding him up on track during Q2. Which I think is valid if you watch the footage. Yes, and he qualified 11th. So it was really something to see Max Verstappen qualify 10th and Sergio Perez not even make Q3. Like, what a qualifying session. There were also other teams out there in qualifying, and we should talk about them. So Alpha Tauri, which is Red Bull's junior team, neither of their drivers made out of Q1. That was really sad for them. Lando Norris from McLaren had a really good qualifying session. He qualified fourth. It was good. Nicholas Latifi from Williams. You could say that this man is arguably the most consistent person on the grid being at the back of it. But if you only looked at the results from qualifying in Hungary, which was Nicholas Latifi qualifying 20th, you'd have no idea what happened over the weekend because it just does not tell the whole story. So the modern Williams race car, It's kind of a dud, but Nicholas Latifi was fastest in final practice in wet conditions, which was the first time he'd topped the practice charts in his career. He was on a really good qualifying run in Q1, where we have all 20 drivers still, but he lost it all near the end of the lap. And when he got out of the car in last, Autosport quoted him as saying, I mean, that's literal hero to zero. And I'm just like... You poor man. (laughs) You go from the top of the charts in practice, which no one expected. Everyone is tweeting the Nicholas Gotifi meme, which is Nicholas Latifi and his shadow is a goat. Everyone's (laughs) tweeting it. And then he qualifies last. Yeah, I think if they had a qualifying session in the wet, I, I don't think that Latifi would have done as well as he did in practice. I mean, you're still sharing the track with... Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, two of the best like wet weather drivers of the yeah, era. And, and the purpose of a practice session is to prepare for either qualifying or the race, depending on which you want to prioritize. Um, it was a wet session. All forecasts were saying that there was probably not going to be rain significantly during qualifying or the race. There is a chance that perhaps... Those drivers, like Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton, were not pushing very hard in the ah, final practice. These are details. <laughs> details. These are details. And you know who doesn't care about that? Nicholas Gauthier. <laughs> who cares about the details? My man topped practice, and you're trying to discount it. And I'm, I'm not trying not to discount it. I'm trying that. to contextualize Stop it. Stop using context. We don't want context. <laughs> no we context, to- just vibes. We just vibes, just yay, Nicholas Latifi. No context. Thank right, you. Fine. I know that everyone's having fun with Nicholas Latifi. The, his results speak for themselves. Uh, we'll put it at that. 
But it'd be so weird to be in his position. You know that you're the slowest on track, but people are making these memes about you being the goat. Like I, I, I would want to know what he thinks of all that. You know, does he feel like he's letting people down? You know, I talked to Nicholas and TV. I interviewed him a few months ago, and my man, he's just like he's kind of a silly, goofy guy. He's just like chilling, right? Like, he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah. he's just chilling. My favorite Nicholas Latifi story, uh, I went to Miami to cover the Grand Prix there, and in the airport, I walked by Nicholas Latifi very animatedly discussing Guitar Hero with one of his mechanics, <laughs> who apparently, like, no idea. The, the, man, yeah. the look on his face was just blank. Like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> Nicholas Latifi's got, like, the whole body into it. Like, he is going on about it. And uh, that's, I think that was my biggest contribution to Formula One lore because I tweeted about it and Williams decided to make memes out of it and then have him play Guitar Hero. Wow. He, he's a goat just for that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the race itself. Overall, story of the week for me, again, as I laid out at the top of the show, it's Ferrari messing it up. Nolan, what does Ferrari need to do? What is our hot take? Well, obviously, they need to pick it <laughs> they up. They need to pick course, it up. But they like, need to pick it up. But, like, it wasn't even, like, okay. Sure, neither of their drivers crashed this week. Great. Their car didn't break down this week. Great. We've eliminated variables. There was a pretty decent weather. Great. Nothing that crazy went down this weekend. So their downfall. Was themselves. The thing that was themselves. And that makes it worse. <laughs> that makes it worse. And now, I don't know why I'm getting so passionate about this. Like I said, not a big Ferrari fan. You know, not one of those, like, legacy Schumacher fans that grew up watching the greatest uh, in the red car. But I'm, like, insulted. You hate to see people screw it up that bad. Like, actively choose to make poor decisions. And that is largely what Ferrari's strategists have done this season. It's unbelievable. Ferrari could have, have done this, okay? They could have won. The whole race, I was thinking about Red Bull, the Red Bulls and how bad qualifying went for them and how Max lost power. That was like kind of like the the engine issue was like the pendulum swinging down on the race this whole time I was watching. It. I was like, okay, Max is doing well. Sergio's getting places. But when's that? When, when are we going to get that radio message of like of lost power? I just thought I thought the whole time was coming. I, I bet Mattia Bonotto, too, was like, oh, it's going to happen. Maybe they were betting on that. Also, Mercedes, you know, you had George Russell on on pole, Hamilton in seventh. You know Hamilton's going to make up a lot of places, and George is going to put up a good fight. He's not going to let go of that first position. But at the end of the day, Ferrari has a faster car than Mercedes. They can count on that. Like So th- with those two factors, if you're Ferrari, like you're thinking, we can do this. Uh, and I was thinking, foolishly. <laughs> That they could do this as well. The problem with Ferrari is that Ferrari needs to just not think. Because when Ferrari thinks, bad things happen, right? So just don't think. But yeah, I mean, so we had a really good... This was looking to be a Ferrari weekend. Because Red Bull's issues in qualifying, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, are back in 10th and 11th. Turns out, um, Sergio goes from 11th to 5th. He finishes 5th. Max Verstappen goes from 10th to win... Despite yes. doing a full 360 spin in the middle of the race and then riding himself and driving off from the spin, he still wins the thing. 
Mercedes, you know, they don't have quite the speed of everybody else, but they're getting there. They're getting better. George Russell, and he starts on pole. He ends up finishing third. Lewis Hamilton comes from seventh to second, right? Like, good, good deal for them. But all of this was aided by Ferrari just Ferrariing. So this starts with Ferrari's doing fine. They're out near the front, in the front. They're up there, okay? And you start to, as the race is going on, people are putting on the hard compound tires. And I want to ask my co-hosts if they would like to talk about tire lore in Formula no. One. No. We do not. The tire lore is too complex. It's no, too it's, much. But that's the, that's it's too the much. joy of it. That's the joy of it, Elizabeth. It's the pain of it. Let me talk about the hyper softs and like the ultra softs. The super hards. Spin a yarn. I'll I'll tie it back into where it needs to be. I've got Woo! this. I'm spinning a yarn. Okay, so end of 2018, we start to see these reports that starting in 2019, Pirelli is going to simplify its tires. Pirelli has all these tire compounds, right? We have the hard, the medium, the soft, the super soft, the ultra soft, the hyper soft. We've got all of this stuff. And nobody knows what's going on. And so Formula One decided we're going to make this more simple. Every race, you show up with three dry weather compounds, one intermediate, which is in between dry track and wet track, and one rain tire. And these dry weather compounds, the three we pick, no matter which compound it is, we're just going to rank them from soft to hard among the ones we picked. So the softest one, whatever it is, is a soft tire. The medium one yes. is the medium tire, and the hard one is the hard tire. Now, tires in racing, softer tires are faster, but they degrade faster. Harder tires are not as good, but they last longer. Teams are putting on the hard tire, hoping to go longer stints with these tires on, therefore not having to make pit stops and waste time on pit stops. But all the teams on the hard tire are like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I hate these hard yeah. tires. They're the worst thing in the world. And we're learning as the race goes on that the hard tires are bad. And that's in part because hard tires on, on a cooler track are very slippery. It takes a lot more time to get heat into them, which is what you want. Heat creates the grip of the tire. And it was, it was a cooler track condition. We've had some really historically hot races in Budapest. This was not one of them. It was cool and it was a little bit damp. There were a couple times where rain came down. The softer tire warms up a lot faster. It will adhere better to the track, especially in those kind of sort of damp conditions where it's not quite enough to move up to an intermediate compound tire. So when they go onto these hards, it was like, yeah, that's probably probably a bad idea. Yeah, I think it was Alpine put them on first. Maybe McLaren definitely put them on. A lot of the mid-pack teams put them on to try to, you know, capitalize. They rolled the dice. It didn't work out. And this was like an established thing. This happened, like, I think Alpine put hards on, I want to say, like, lap 30 or something, relatively early in the race, and it was apparent that it wasn't working. McLaren followed suit. <laughs> so by the time that Ferrari decides to put them on their car, it should have been an established, like, it should have been known to them. This is the thing. Ferrari... Pitted twice. If you put on a hard tire, you generally want to only put that tire on to have one single pit stop. What? They pitted. They pitted and they put on mediums and then mediums and then hards. They put on hards for the last bit of the race when you want to be the fastest. 
I don't understand what they were doing. Every week before the race, Pirelli puts out different strategies for the tires. They put out alternate strategies. They put out, here's what we think's quickest based on all this historical data, current track conditions, current cars. And Pirelli, Pirelli will put out generally four, four different strategies. Medium, medium, hard was not one of the strategies. It was not recommended by Pirelli. Common sense would probably dictate that it's not recommended at all, and you shouldn't have to, you know, experiment. Yeah, I can't think of a race where you would do that. There's yeah. never been an opportunity where that has happened. Let's hear it from the man himself. This is from FormulaOne.com. Mattia Bonotto, team principal of Ferrari, said, quote, Based on our data and our analysis, we knew the hard was not as fast as the medium, but it could have been as fast 11 laps into the stint. Yes, it didn't work, and we would not have fitted them had we known they would have, they would be as bad. You did know the other teams had the tires on, and they were like, "This is the worst thing I've ever done." This is like but they're not Ferrari. This is like those weren't Ferraris. Needles. This is the worst thing we've ever done. Those cars don't count, Alanis. This At is this Ferrari. Point, Ferrari. I think Ferrari should just stop being Ferrari. Like I think just they need stop. to take a breather. Like reevaluate your life. What are you just doing? Become Hyundai or something. Kia. I don't know. <laughs> like. Just rebrand, redo everything, like, let's forget it. Let's get rid of the red. Let's just get rid of all of it. Let's let's go home. Let's go home, which Mattia Bonotto did do. The problem was it just, like, to your point, Liz, about the weather, it just wasn't warm enough for those hards to heat up, to turn on at all. Had it been a little warmer, I think, this is like one of those classic Ferrari strategy decisions where they came out looking like massive idiots, but... Had it worked out, had it been a little warmer and those tires turned on, it would have looked <laughs> pretty damn clever. It's not even on Pirelli's suggested strategy. Oh, like, that would have been like my. a crazy, that would have been like next level genius move but, had it had worked but out. But name a time that but, Ferrari has succeeded in playing 3D chess. Like, it, it just hasn't happened. It happened last year. I can't remember what race, but I remember thinking like, huh, okay, maybe they've got it back. This is pretty cool. But like, it happens once probably once a season a gamble of theirs pays off and i think that maybe comes down to the fact that maybe mattia bonotto is just like an unlucky guy oh, in general man you know have you heard that the joke about like job interviewers throwing away half the stack of applications because they don't want to hire someone who's unlucky maybe that's what ferrari should have done before hiring mattia so ferrari puts on these hard tires and this is a clean rated podcast, so we're about to probably have some beeps or some cancellations of my words. Anyway, they put <laughs> the up cancellations of the canceling my words, they're canceling my words. And so they put on these hard tires and Charlotte Claire radios. <laughs> these tires are <laughs> and it's like <laughs> everybody knew the tires were <laughs> like what? Like everybody knew it. And then after the race, he says, we need to speak with the team and understand the thought behind putting on the hard tire. I said on the radio, I was very comfortable on the medium and wanted to go as long as possible. Like this poor guy, like at what point does he just start going, you know what, I'm gonna do my own thing. And just like, pretend you have radio issues. I don't know, pretend you can't hear them. And just like, hey, hey guys, I'm sorry, radio's broken. Like, I, I can't hear you, but I assume you can hear me. Uh, send a flash signal if you can hear me. I'm gonna pit when I wanna pit, okay? 
Uh, can we do the mediums? <laughs> he couldn't control what the tire, what tires they were going to bring out ultimately, which is the the problem. That is inherently the problem. Does not matter what the drivers want. Ferrari is just going to do Ferrari, and that's usually bad. <laughs> yeah. Look, like the people who know best about how F one teams work are the people that work there and like everything else kind of even if you're like a journalist who's very well connected you still don't have a pure vision of what's going on inside these teams so that's just a long way of saying i'm speculating here but it seems to me like ferrari i mean they're like i said one the longest legacy team and i just think working at a company that big that has been around for so long maybe leads you to believe your own bullshit at times you know where it's like there is sort of a magical aura around Ferrari. Maybe you do believe that like it can protect you and make things work out for you. Like they have main character syndrome over there at Ferrari. It's like they, you know, you're for, you have two of the best drivers in the world. You work for one of the biggest brands instead of like actually drilling down and looking at why you make the decisions you do and trying to figure out who's making those decisions. They just think that some sort of magical force is going to protect them. That's what it feels like it's to me. It's also the conundrum of like, why do drivers keep going there during these eras where Ferrari is just bad? Like Ferrari has not been great for a couple years now. They've been all right sometimes, but they haven't been great. And you keep getting drivers like Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. signing onto this team because it's Ferrari and everyone wants to race for Ferrari. And then you get there and it's Ferrari. You know what? I'm going to be real with you. I do the same thing. <laughs> So, personally, I've seen a lot of conspiracy theories uh, that Mattia Bonotto is being paid by Christian Horner to sabotage Ferrari. And I think that's a wonderful conspiracy theory. And I just want to put my name in the hat that if Christian Horner wants me to sabotage anything, I'm around. I have Venmo. Hit me up. I don't think that he's being paid by Christian <laughs> Horner. I don't think Horner has the the fortune to do that sort of thing. But Bro, his, um, his lady just... friend is a Spice Girl. Nolan's over here like, I don't think Christian Horner has enough money to pay somebody to sabotage an entire Formula One team. There was an entire introduction in Netflix Netflix's Drive to Survive where Christian Horner is on a horse in front of his giant mansion. I think this guy could afford it. This is not the podcast I signed up <laughs> to be on. This podcast is sponsored now by Christian Horner. <laughs> That's the thing. Christian, if you want to turn this podcast into Red Bull and Friends, you know where to find me, my guy. You can afford the price. I promise you. The story with Ferrari for me is like, we can't attribute to malice what is explained by incompetence. And I think that's what's going on is like, I think most people involved, except for like the drivers and the engineers who made this car so good. Like, it, it's just an insane position. They have the best car, but they just keep messing it up because they're inconsistent and incompetent, it seems like. And don't think that I'm letting the pit crew off easy here, too. I saw them mess up Carlos's, uh, Carlos's pit stop. They had a few slow pit stops over on that Ferrari pit team. Again, also, why would you go for the two-stop strategy if that was the quality of your pit crew? I'm just, I'm confounded, honestly. It's And then I think, I think it was really beautiful. We capped it all off with Mattia Bonotto. Just walking away. Oh, my. I forgot about we're, that. We're watching this broadcast, and suddenly it's like, cut to the Ferrari pit wall. And Mattia Bonotto is just leaving somewhere. He literally left. He left. He 
he left. He goes to the RV behind the the uh, the pit facilities. Honestly, I can relate, dude. Like when we were shooting Hilo season two with the Tacomas, uh, we were building <laughs> the front bash bar for the for the Tacoma, like a, a you know a push bar. Um, and I could I'm really bad at math, uh, and I just could not get the angles right for what I needed the tubing to be, and I got really frustrated. You know, things were going badly. It was my fault uh, because my own incompetence with math. And I had to leave. I left the garage and I sat outside and, uh, you know, brought back a lot of feelings that I thought I had resolved. Ouch. Uh, so maybe, maybe Mattia uh, was feeling the same thing. Ouch. That hurts. No. You just got to remove when you know that, like, you're the problem. <laughs> you it, maybe go. it is like you, you got to remove yourself from the situation before you say thinking something you might regret. Listen. So I think that's what Mattia did. You got to pick it up and you got to leave. Right. Just you pick do. it up. And go. Pick yourself Pick up yourself and up get and out go. of there. Get out of there. Man. Um, so I don't know much more we can talk about Ferrari. Like uh, Leclerc ended up finishing in sixth place with signs in fourth. Leclerc was in prime position to win, and he had it really taken away from him by his own team with those that stupid call. I can't believe it. I don't know how much Charles has left in him. Like, oh, that poor guy. They are crushing his soul over there. Yeah. That poor guy. I just, I have to, like, I wonder what he's doing right now. Like, if I could just, if I could just know what that man is doing right now, I bet he's so sad. But I think our entire race was summed up by Mattia Bonotto saying, our car was not as expected. It was not behaving well. Uh, my guy, you should have watched the race. You shouldn't have walked away. Um, you should have watched what was going on. I don't think it was your car. Carlos Sainz said, we clearly struggled as a team. Yeah, that sure did. Accurate. Sure did. I can't argue. And after the race, there was this video that was going around online from the cool-down room of the podium finishers. And our podium reminder was Max Verstappen in first, Lewis Hamilton in second, and George Russell in third. So they're all, after the race, in the cool-down room, doing their chatting, talking to each other. And... Lewis, Lewis just looks at everybody, looks at the group and says, they were on the hards? And Max and George both turn to Lewis and they make this face and they go, yeah. <laughs> everybody just laughs. And it was so sad. And I think that was a, I think that's a really good summary of what happened over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, pretty embarrassing for everyone involved over at Ferrari. You know, it was funny. Um, at the end of the race, they were saying, like, it was a surprise Verstappen victory. You know, like, I think D David Coulthard said that. I think Crofty said that. One of the announcers said that. And I was saying, I was like, no, it wasn't. That didn't surprise. Like, it did not surprise me at all. At this point, Max Verstappen could start dead last on the grid, and I would not be shocked that he won. And I hate that. I hate that he's so good. Lewis did that all the time. Uh, the past couple of years, like, and now that, you know, Red Bull has like one of the best cars, like it's totally possible. Never count out Max Verstappen. Oh man. Yeah. What a race. So race results, obviously Max Verstappen in first, Lewis Hamilton in second, George Russell in third. And then we have some wonderful stats from the day. Yes. Uh, Lewis Hamilton had the fastest lap of the race. So he got his fastest lap point 
but he also beat a 67-year-old record for the most laps led at a single venue in World Championship history. Uh, and this is one of the oldest records currently in, in, in the you know Grand Prix history. So he beat Bill Vukovic, who previously held this record. Uh, and Vukovic actually never competed in a Grand Prix that we would consider a Grand Prix. This is because back hmm. in the early, you know, the beginning of Formula One's history, they included the Indy 500 as a Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. no one went and raced that race. Like, nobody came from Europe to race it during this 10-year period from 1950 to 1960. Uh, so Bill Vukovic, because he was pretty dominant, he took that, you know, technically he he led the most laps of anyone previously uh, at a world championship race even though it was not actually contested wow. by people who were going for the ultimate world championship. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, Lewis is able to wash away some uh, some uh, a record held by technicality. I completely uh, disagree. <laughs> um, I completely disagree. I think setting records and doing things on technicalities is really beautiful. Um, I consider everything is the best kind of correct. That's the thing. I consider everything I do in life to be a technicality. And mm-hmm. if we're setting records while we're at it, I think that's great. And I'm not going to lie. Bill Vukovic probably would have continued to wash Lewis Hamilton out of the water had he not died. So, oh wow. That. Ouch. R.I.P. R.I.P. to Bill Vukovic. Uh, our driver of the day this week was Max Verstappen, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, Mercedes with uh, Ferrari's huge up uh mercedes is closing the gap with ferrari for second in the constructors championship mercedes has 304 points to ferrari's 334 so i completely expect mercedes to be second this year i don't think ferrari deserves to fight for the championship anymore i don't think they deserve to be second place anymore either so uh looking forward to mercedes taking taking the lead on ferrari george russell is also above carlos Sainz now in the driver's championship a testament to not needing the fastest car if your competition implodes every week. That's so sad. Wow. The story continues. I just, I'm just mad. I'm mad. I'm mad at them, and I'm not even a fan. And so I should be happy, but I'm not. I'm just disappointed, I guess. Liz, you want to give us our DNFs? Oh, God. Oh, we, we love DNFs. We do love a good DNF. Valtteri Bottas, five laps from the finish, did not finish. You hate to see it. You really do hate to see it, but you know it gives him more time to plan take the his next clothes location, off. Uh, to take his clothes off and post a picture of his butt on Instagram. So happy for you, Valtteri! You got five extra laps to do that this week. We cannot wait. <laughs> we cannot wait to see the next photo. If there's anything I know in life, what something looks like, it is Valtteri Bottas's butt. Thank you, Valtteri. Yep, uh, he was our only DNF out of a. A very chaotic race, which was a little bit surprising. That is weird. Yeah. We also uh, had Daniel Ricciardo of McLaren making a fabulous move where he overtook two Alpines at once because Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon were duking it out themselves, unfortunately. It was beautiful. It was, it was good. It was a classic Daniel Ricciardo, like, at his prime move. Unfortunately, he was penalized. So you win some, you lose some. It was still nice to see it. Man. It was still it felt good. There's a little part of my Daniel Ricardo loving soul that was like, all right, maybe he doesn't suck. 
Yeah, I mean, I wrote it down in my notes. I was like, a flash of brilliance, you know? You, and you get those every once in a while from Daniel. You're like, that's, there's the Danny that I miss so much, and that's the Danny that we're not seeing so often in this McLaren, unfortunately. But, God, it was such it a was great delicious. move. It was so good. And it just makes me... I just want him to stay longer so to give us more. I want him to be in a car that can do that more often, yes. you know? I definitely agree. It used to be so cool to, like, see his overtakes when he was in a Red Bull and had a car capable of doing that because he yes. was always, like, there were just so many moves that was like, this shouldn't work, but because it's Daniel Ricciardo, it does. Oh, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. You know what? Do you know what I think it's time for? Our favorite segment. That's right. It's Boyfriend of the Week. All right. Boyfriend of the Week is our segment where we acknowledge who is the best. It can be anybody. It can be a driver. It can be a car. It can be a moment. Huh. That's getting, that's kind of esoteric. A team lead or a Redditor or somebody online with a particularly hot take. You get the picture. Who is good enough to be our Boyfriend of the Week? Remember, this is middle school rules, so it's only for this week. Elizabeth, start us off. I actually, I'm going to go left field on this one and i'm going to say my boyfriend of the week is formula e a (laughs) an electric racing series because they decided to schedule all of their on-track sessions and their races to conflict exactly with formula one uh which i thought was really funny and i think it's great of them to to not want to have fans um so they're my boyfriend of the week i think that's really special (laughs) i think when you do something different you just like go way out there. You do something really different. You're like, I don't even want fans. Exactly. Look, yeah. I don't even want them. You're going to have to try so hard to be a fan of me. Like, I think that's really wonderful. Good for them. I have, I have a lot of respect for it. They're playing hard to get. It's, you know, yes. we all, we've all done it at some point. Alanis- you know what? All the best boyfriends play real hard to get. Actually, all the worst ones do, but you still like them for some reason. Thank you, Formula E. that's why e. they're only the boyfriend for the week. Exactly. Then we get rid of them. That's right. My choice, my choice is our guy, Mattia Bonotto. Oh, wow. Because you know what? My man saw the first signs of struggle and he went, I'm out. I'm gone. I am. I'm leaving. (laughs) Get the cameras on me. I am going somewhere else. Sounds like all my other boyfriends. I know, right? And so... Listen, I think in life, sometimes we have to admit when things are not going well and it's our fault and we need to give up and walk away. A lot of us stick around for too long. We just keep trying when we need to stop trying and we need to leave. And he left. Like, good for him. He did the thing he was supposed to do. He'll be back. He'll be back at the next race. But he stepped away. And I respect that. Thank you so much, Mattia Bonotto. We did not miss you for those five laps you were on. (laughs) My boyfriend of the week is Reddit user Educational Regular seventy three who wrote on the uh, in the Donut Media subreddit a post titled Nolan equals Russell fanboy question mark question mark quote Nolan man love ya but in the new DRS you neglected to mention that Russell complained to his pit just as much if not more than Checo in France this year especially after he dive bombed and made contact. I totally get that every driver complains, and it's to be expected, but you need to tell both sides. Otherwise, it seems like you're out here recruiting Mercedes fans. <laughs> Which I guess you're totally within your right to do, but I can't bear the thought that the donut guys are Mercedes fans. All drivers are inferior to the Hoster plan anyway. 
the show is otherwise great, as always, from these guys. Thanks so much for finally making the Formula One podcast. I know it's been mentioned a lot. Uh, I'm not a Mercedes fan. I, I, do, I do root for Lewis, I will say. But I root for, like, everybody. I'm out here like, uh, like Rob Lowe when he went to that, uh, that football game and he wore the NFL hat. That's me. I'm wearing just an oh F1 hat. Oh, my God. I uh, love that. I want to go to a football game with an NFL hat on. Just no team, no loyalty. No team. Just I'm here for the love of the game. That's me. I'm here for the love of the game. I'm here for the love of the race and for you to call me out on my own subreddit <laughs> as, a, as a Mercedes trying to, trying to recruit Mercedes fans. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to recruit all fans out here uh, and... You know what? That's why you're my boyfriend of the week, educational regular 73. So thank you very much. I am going to go to a car race with just a hat on it that says cars and just like it's a cars or a NASCAR hat. I'm just here. I'm here for the love of the game. I'm not here to that's cheer right. on a fan. Like that's incredible. Thank you so much, educational regular. And just thank you. Thank you for that. We appreciate yeah. you. So there we go. Those are our boyfriends of the week. Very good. You should just buy our trucks hat. Oh, wait. To take to the NASCAR trucks race, just a hat that says trucks. Just, uh, yeah. Trucks? Yeah, I've got one. Uh, okay, but. Next time you're But out. I would love that. Next time I'm out there, I'm going to get the trucks hat. My favorite, my favorite brand thing is truck month. Just truck month in all caps. Like, you can put truck month on anything, and I am so for it. Like, I would just wear shirts everywhere they say truck month hat truck month i would get truck month tattooed on my bicep just truck month i think it's a wonderful line and trucks that's the moral of the story and just a little bit of business regarding boyfriend of the week someone tagged me in a tweet just yesterday saying that i took the easy route to say that i i didn't say i had a boyfriend of the week and i said girlfriend of the week no you're wrong listen to it back I forget what your name was. I said girlfriend of the week. I said boyfriend and girlfriend of the week because Liz's boyfriend of the week was Pascal Gasly. That, that was me. Pierre no, Gasly's mother. That was that your, was okay, me. your, <laughs> sorry, Alanis, your boyfriend of the week was Pascal Gasly. I just wanted to respect her. Uh, but you know what? Boyfriend of the week is pretty much genderless. We'll say that. Thank you so much for listening to the Donut Racing Show. If you like the episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Maybe we'll read it on air. Here's one from our first episode. Okay, in quotes. The first episode makes me so excited for more. I don't know anything about cars, but somehow these people make me care about them and F1. I love the reenactment of the breathing of Charles Leclerc, right? Uh, and I felt <laughs> like I was inside the driver's helmet. Keep it up. Thank you so much. How do I pronounce that? Giggle Gal Gadot. Thank you so much. We appreciate That's from Giggle Gal, Gal Gadot's listening to this show. I, th I feel like she's busier than that, but that's insane. I see your tweets all the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate your support. Uh, I also, in case you missed the Charles Leclerc breathing, um, you can go back to the first episode and listen to us just go, <gasps> no. Okay. It's fantastic. Go back. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. We've all signed up for voice acting classes now. So we'll be uh, hearing a lot more of that in the near future. Guys, uh, Formula One is taking a three-week summer break. So we are too. Uh, you know, what you want to do when you start a podcast is to have two episodes in a row and then completely switch up the schedule. 
But that's where the show goes, uh, or that's how it goes. And we're just going to follow the F1 schedule for the rest of the year prospectively. So anytime there's a race weekend, we'll have an episode after that. But otherwise, uh, pretty much just keeping it to, to that. Our next episode will air on Wednesday, August 31st after the Belgian Grand Prix. Tune in to find out what happened off the track over summer break and what we expect from the rest of this very exciting season. Will McLaren catch up to Alpine for best of the rest? Will Mercedes make a triumphant return to the winner's circle? Are Ferrari strategists handing a gift wrap driver's championship to rival Max Verstappen? All that and more yes. on the Donut Racing Show. Uh, if you're new to Donut Media, we have another podcast called Past Gas. It's a automotive history show. We tell stories about a bunch of different stuff in the car canon. We also have a YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, go ahead and do that. Check our videos out. Um, follow Elanis on Instagram and Twitter at Elanis N. King. And follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. You can follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Donut Racing Show. Bye. Bye.